welcome back to Six Feet Under. We have our end of summer montage episode for you. And what a season summer 1149 has been. <laughs> so now that we've seen uh, uh, some of our heroes at, at their heights and, and their organization at perhaps its lowest moment in uh, uh, anyone's living memory, uh, let's go and find what each of our mice are up to, where, where they are in, in their heads and in the world. And first, uh, deep within the halls of Lockhaven itself, we find Ivy Waxwort. Granny, what are you up to? Oh, you know, this whole place just fell apart for a little bit there, so trying to put it all back together, you see. Genry approaches with his, his notebook, with his clipboard, and a, a sort of impish smile, uh, saying, I, I found it. I counted for the missing candlestick. Very good, Genry. I was always forgetting to count the one they broke over my head. So uh, <laughs> now the inventory's looking a lot more square. Oh, you had a hard time, didn't you? Ah, uh, well... Would have been better with a uh, few few more of us uh, by my side, but uh, all's well that ends well, right? And uh, the, the the scaffolding found a way that uh, we didn't need to take any wood from the stores to uh, shore up the external repairs. I, I just took apart all the barricades they built across the hall. And uh, if we're lucky, they won't get harmed too much in the construction. They can be tables again when it's all said and done. <laughs> Here's hoping. All right, what do you need from me next? I can organize some... Um young ones to do something helpful yeah he's got a, a list of this spring's uh new applicants uh and and who's at what stage along in in their training with their their uh master crafts mouse to, to see who can be trusted with what sort of thing and as you're devising a plan for for the day's physical tasks uh instead gwendolyn uh comes up from behind and, and lays a paw on your shoulder oh hello dearie Ivy, if you have a moment when, when you're done with this task, if you wouldn't mind, I have, I have some uh, something I'd like your assistance with. Is that all right, Genry, dear? Hmm? Uh, uh, anything for the matriarch. Of course. Best of luck. I'll be back with you whenever I'm done with this. He uh, smiles and waves, and then uh, he, he just looks for whoever's around uh, to, to continue uh, helping him manage people. Oh, look, Roybin's here. Oh, dear. Roybin does not like this sort of thing. Uh, but the, the camera doesn't follow them. Instead, they fo it follows the two of you. Mm -hmm. So what Gwendolyn got for me? Ivy, I, I hate to lay this on your shoulder, but... I've been asking myself a few questions, and I feel it would be best to ask others as well. Alrighty. They all revolve around the greater question of how... How do we continue? Where, where do we go from here? This... This was a body based on, on trust and camaraderie and, and unified response to the tasks at hand. I'm not... I'm not worried about the insubordination like some in my position would have been. I've, I've been reading diaries, I've, I've been reading histories, trying to see a path forward from how we got here in the first place, but I'm worried about loss in the, the faith of the guard itself. How can... How did any of our number, ne never mind how many it was, come to think that throwing out our traditions was the best way to preserve the territories. I... I'm at a loss, Ivy. 
To be honest, I have been struggling with that question myself. I'm not sure what way to go forward from here. I'm taking things one day at a time right now. If I were to think more about what we should do for policy changes, I'd feel like perhaps... Background checks? I don't know. <laughs> she laughs. The one thing that these people had in common, it feels like, is that they all were... They all suffered in some way before coming to the guard. But I feel like a lot of us did that. Who hasn't, Ivy? Exactly. I'm not sure what should be done. And I'm not the matriarch, so I don't envy that you have to figure that out. Sorry I couldn't give you a better answer. I'm not sure there are any good answers right now. No, no, I suppose I didn't get all I could have wished for, but I got the chance to, to speak to a friend, and I hope you'll allow me to say that even that has been a great help. Your undying optimism will see us through this as always. There's a reason you have our total faith as the, from the captains, Gwendolyn. Trust yourself. <laughs> Maybe a little optimism is, is something we could use around here. I certainly don't have enough of it going around. <laughs> uh... Later that night, uh, Gwendolyn has uh, summoned Lily uh, to meet her in her chambers. Uh, Lily, uh, you have been reunited with Stencil. There, that is one... Uh, I'm sure a bit of uh, solace in the, this time of confusion that you discovered upon returning back to Lockhaven. Yeah, I, she's Lily was uh, Lily was excited. You know, she's playing with playing with Stencil, feeding her, telling her how apparently very good she was on the last mission. Um, <laughs> there, there is a not insignificant degree to which uh, Gwendolyn's life and position were both saved by Stencil the, the spider. Wow! Oh my God! So Stencil. Stencil's gonna get promoted and Lily's gonna be so happy for her. <laughs> Even Stencil gets promoted before Lily. <laughs> uh, so, yes, you, you uh, have been given a message. You do know you are expected in the, the chambers of Gwendolyn uh, once and now again, matriarch of the guard. You wanna come with me, Stencil? I, I, will, I should go immediately. And does. <laughs> With stencil, you know, Lily makes her way to the office. She notices that, like, even the door is like half a jar, um, mm -hmm. just just a little bit. You know, she she knocks politely in that way where she's like not trying to peer in too much, but kind of is a little bit like, hey, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. And she she knocks she's like, excuse me, uh, did you did you need me? Lily, please come in. Uh, of course, yeah. The room is lit with the uh, uh, red tones of sunset filtering in through the window. Spooky's not the word, but the, the candles and lamps are not doing much to uh, uh, brighten up that, that deep red tone that is laying across everything. You can see that uh, the, the globe has been opened up, revealing the minibar within as Gwendolyn motions to you to uh, sit. And actually, yeah, she uh, makes a gesture and, and uh, cocks an ear with a wordless invitation to, you know, feel free and make yourself at home. Can I have a, a drink? Can I, is that... Am Please I, I, do. I, <laughs> she still doesn't know enough about 
like alcohol <laughs> so she just kind of like goes over there she's like oh oh great um she looms over there and kind of you know uh oh yeah um kind of kind of grabs what a thimble they drink out of thimbles yeah sure why not puts like a little splash of something in it closest thing to her that looks you know colorful and nice and uh takes a sip and immediately just like her face like puckers and she's like (laughs) hard swallow um kind of turns and and takes a seat holding an empty thimble as if she had filled it with more alcohol because now she doesn't want to look silly lily i have to inform you your name has been entered into the list of full guards mice lily you've graduated oh oh are we having a ceremony should i go get uh sable and you're you're right you're right there's still uh more that has to be done i welcome this guards mouse as an equal peer there it's done uh in fact one more bit of business she uh rifles through some papers on her desk and pulls out a half sheet hands it over uh there there is a a work order for your new cloak uh you notice i've left the color blank uh feel free to talk that over with zeke uh as your mentor or whoever you would like involved in that decision oh i'm sorry Zeke has probably left by now with Tander on that mission. I'm, I'm so sorry about that. Lily is just kind of um, not very emotive, actually. <laughs> she's she kind of you know she takes the slip. She's kind of just like quietly reading it over. There's not much written on it, but she's still re- reading and rereading it. Like, wait, is this really happening? And then after a pause, she's like, "Oh, uh, right. I will, um, I will do my duty to my fullest as a guard's mounts. Uh, uh, serve the guard any way that I can." Thank you very much for this uh, honor. Gwendolyn notices uh, and and thinks back over how things must seem from you know your side of the desk in this moment, and uh, she she tries to warm herself up even with everything clearly weighing on her. Uh, it it would be improper, Lily, for a full and public ceremony in this moment, but it would be equally improper to not recognize you for your skill, your dedication, and your drive. I had intended to, to do this or something like this as we all came back from our meeting with the Bat King, but as you know, life intervened between the fire and, well, everything else. Right, no, no, yeah, of course, and I, I, I of course, completely understand, and, and I think so much has been going on that I, I, I fully agree that, I mean, there's hardly time or place for, you know, theatrics uh, when it's all ultimately the same, right? So I, I, I am deeply humbled and deeply honored, and I thank you very much. Thank you, Lily, for, for being so understanding. We need more guards mice, and I would like so many more like you. She does. She she bows deeply and does actually tear up a little bit. Um, whether that's a tear of kind of frustration and disappointment, or a tear from from that specifically, it's it's kind of just the you know she's feeling a lot of things. And if you you would like me to speak uh, with, with Zeke or your mother with you or in your place about anything, just just let me know. I'm I'm here for that sort of thing. Oh. No, thank you. I, I appreciate it, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to busy busy you further. I mean, you've already you've got so many things going on right now, and I mean, I'm a guards mouse now, right? So I think I can I can handle it. That's that's true. That is absolutely true, Lily, and it and it always will be. 
Well, I guess I won't keep you any longer. Um, uh, I guess I'll go straight to picking out my cloak, right? Enjoy it. Thank you. Um, where, where, where did Zeke go, by the way? Zeke and Tander, I, I sent off to watch over some of the caravans, uh, well, <laughs> some of the shipments going uh, across the uh, eastern territories along the, the lakes and waterways there. Oh, okay. Do you, um, do you know when he'll be back? It is estimated that it should be around 10 to 12 days, depending on weather and, and what sort of trouble they find themselves in on the way. Of course. Got it. Yeah, if you if you need um, need me for anything else, uh, let me let me know. And uh, as as always, it's an honor, ma'am. She you know bows and uh, starts to kind of make her way out preemptively. <laughs> <laughs> and stencil comes following along. I think when stencil is in uh, uh, Gwendolyn's chambers, uh, she sort of like balls up underneath the chair. Aw, yeah. Yeah. Cute. She lets out her her entire body like relaxes a little as she leaves and kind of starts go you know walking back down the hallway. Um, she feels this huge just like sigh that had been building up in her since she entered. Mm-hmm. As the tension is finally kind of let out, and she starts to sob a little bit. Wow, Stencil's taking this really hard. <laughs> Lily does these things, and Stencil uh, <laughs> gives her gives her the kind of kisses that a spider can give which i don't really know i'm imagining it's very venomous cute, i think yeah yeah venomous yeah all right well the uh stencil kind of you know head head butts her gently mm-hmm. stencil's just a cat to me <laughs> i i just imagine stencil's behaviors and i'm just like stencil is lily's cat yeah pretty much pretty much but she uh takes a moment to herself and picks herself up and uh why don't I just pick out my own cloak? I mean, if Sable's not around, if Zeke's not around, I mean, I can do that. It's my choice now, right? I'm guard. I'll do it myself. And that's where she goes. Straight to redeem her cloak. So uh, Lily uh, takes staircase after staircase down into the belly of Lockhaven. Uh, the, the loom of Lockhaven is, is one of the, the deepest chambers everyone knows. Everyone knows Griffith, the ancient loom master. Griffith is sort of, ha- has one great loom to himself that he's hunched over. One of Genry's stories is that Griffith is as old as the stones that build the chamber that uh, encase him. That's not quite true, but you can see why uh, people might think that. Right, I mean, I mean, we've, it's written and, and rumored many places that like, so many famous, uh, you know, heroes of the guard had capes hand woven by Griffith himself. You know, whether or not that's actually true as far back as they say. I mean, it, either way, it's what everyone understands and believes. But on the periphery there, you see a lot of your, well, I guess you wouldn't call them peers anymore. A lot of uh, younger mice, younger even than you, doing their apprenticeships before they uh, can go out with a patrol as a tenderpaw. Uh, They do the bulk by volume uh, of the weaving, but anytime there is a, a special piece, you know, maybe there is a tapestry, maybe there is a gift for uh, for some dignitary, and these special uh, projects do include the first cloak of a, a newly inducted guards mouse like yourself. Those are done by the paws of the ancient Griffith. Ooh. 
That's actually that's actually very exciting. So there's there is still a little bit of uh, a little bit of circumstance in this moment mm-hmm. for for Lily. A little bit of pomp. Is there a front desk she's got to deal with here? Or? No, no, there isn't. You, you, as you open the door, the muffled sound of, of you know, shuttles uh, going back and forth becomes a roar uh, without the door to dampen it. Lily's never actually been down here. Um, she, she had a friend, um, actually a friend older than her, um, who got a job um, prior to joining the guard uh, as an apprentice here specifically, actually working, you know, with Griffith and. She was always a little bit jealous, actually, because it just seemed like such a cool job. Mm-hmm. Not that she didn't enjoy, you know, cooking with her mom, but it is kind of cooking with your mom. So, <laughs> but in any case, yeah, she, uh, you know, she she's stunned in silence for a few minutes as she just like looks around, and just takes takes in the whole scene, kind of admiring all these these cloaks being made, this this iconography of what it is to be a member of the guard, something that she's you know coveted for so long. I mean, here she is. Mm-hmm. She looks around, I guess, for for who to speak to if if she Griffith is just around. Yeah, Griffith is there and uh, at work. He is uh, very focused on. Uh, you can't tell what it is yet. Yeah, uh, it it looks like it, it might be just great bolts and bolts of something to to be transformed uh, uh-huh. by by some sort of uh, seamstress mouse or maybe he's just making curtains I don't know <laughs> but very lovely curtains any curtain he very makes is the most beautiful curtain you've ever seen yes there, there is a pattern woven into it uh, yeah he, he is weaving in on the loom fleur de lis on the, this whatever it <laughs> so is so cute um, yeah so she I mean she, she approaches uh, from kind of like kind of behind and she uh, clears her throat and she's like um, excuse me uh, Griffith I are you Griffith? I don't. I don't mean to bother you. He does not pay a, a second of attention to you. Uh, he just continues going back and forth in this very regular, rhythmic, robotic uh, uh, cadence. <clears throat> uh, excuse, excuse me, uh, Griffith. I, I have. I was hoping you could. Uh, if I could commission you for a, a cloak. Huh? Uh, my first, my first cloak. I have a, a coupon uh, here. I guess a little slip from from Gwendolyn. I hi, I'm Lilia. I was just promoted with the guard. As as you start to raise your voice, he stops, and when he stops, all the apprentices stop. Oh god. And it just becomes deathly and silent. And she's and very he slowly loud, so. turns and he looks to you over very thick lenses. What was that? Uh hi, I'm uh, my name is Lily. I, I very I'm a newly promoted member of the guard. I uh, Gwendolyn sent me down here to he, he holds up a paw. He stops you, he bends down, and picks up a, a, a small trumpet and puts it in one of his ears. <laughs> Alright, start again! Uh, my name is Lily, I was just promoted uh, as a member of the guard, and Gwendolyn gave me the slip, and she, hold, she holds that up first, actually. She, instead of starting the sentence yet once more time, she, she kind of pushes the slip towards him to, to look mm-hmm. at it himself, and then repeats, you know, yes, I'm, my name is Lily... I've come to redeem, or rather to commission you for a cloak. My first cloak. <sighs> he uh, uh, takes the slip. He's doing like the, the trifocal shuffle, trying to find where to hold it and at what distance he can read it. <laughs> and uh, as, as he would be, as it comes into clarity, he would uh, see that in the little blank space where the, uh, the color 
is listed, she has written in um, black. It's a black cloak. Hmm. And who's this for? Me, uh, me, sir, uh, Lily. You seem a little young to be a, a mentor. I just got promoted from from Tenderpaw. Actually, I'm a I'm a hmm. guard's mouse. I'm 15. This is quite unusual. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it is a little bit, isn't it? Where, but you know, things are. I I think is am I the first that I. I my understanding is maybe others were being promoted around now also in time of need or nobody's told me did did you pass any in the hallway i guess i guess not now that i think about it wow okay well yes in any case uh this i mean issued from gwendolyn herself it's her handwriting her signature mm, yeah yeah i'm i'm not accusing you of trying to get up to any funny business lolly <laughs> so it's, yeah no it's it's you're right. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to sound defensive, uh, sir. I love your work, by the way. I, you're just a, <laughs> beautiful. It's it's. What were you working on? If you don't mind me asking. It's curtains. <laughs> sorry, I'm just really glad they were actually curtains. <laughs> oh my goodness, they're beautiful. Lily, Lily rolls around in her mind the idea of getting this pattern on her cloak, just like Fleur de Lis on her cloak. He smiles this impish little smile. Now, as a, as a fully fledged and inducted guard's mouse, Lily, L- Lolly, sorry, L- got your name wrong. No, Lily was, Lily was right. It's Lily. Okay, Billy, right? Okay. <laughs> could you, could you tell these young kids to get back to work? I don't know why they stop whatever I stop. <laughs> you guys you guys heard him right? Uh no no breaks or whatever. Get back to get back to work. And uh that that thrumming uh comes right back. It's not it doesn't sound quite the same as before. You didn't notice it at the time, but everybody was matching Griffith's rhythm. Mm. But now without their conductor, they they've be- It's a bit messier. The- yeah, it's it's more of a, a discordant, uh, a constant hum, all of yeah, these sounds yeah, yeah. adding up together. And so, in uh, not long at all, perhaps only a day or two, uh, Lily finds a package outside her chamber, tied up in, in brown paper with twine, and inside a fine black cloak in guard's mouse style. Meanwhile, in the wilderness outside Rustleaf, we see Francisca patrolling alone, following a lead. Francisca, what pointed you here, practically the middle of nowhere? There's another sign of the Black Axe. I'm not sure if it's the same one that we kind of lost during the last mission, but it's probably the fake. So Francisca has been following down uh, uh, leads, rummaging through archives. Uh, I mean, she... she knows a name now from uh, from her helpful bird friend. Uh, but all that has pointed her to this desolate and, and seemingly wild uh, corner of the mouse territories. Uh, you, you look around, you see none of the, the signs of what civilization there is. You would be forgiven for thinking you somehow crossed the border into wild territory just from the sight of this place. But there is a, a smell on the wind and a soft sound in the air. You know you're being watched. 
Oh, well, that makes things easy then. Just gonna act all casual, not worry. See if I can get where these peeking eyes are from. And how, how do you do that? If I feel like something is watching me, then I'm probably gonna be listening in for... Rather than a noise, maybe the absence of noise, like maybe wind is not going through in a certain area. Perhaps a branch is not creaking right. Yes, Francisca focuses her, her keen senses, tries to find the source of this sense of unease, this uh, uh, instinct of being watched that, as prey animals, a, a mouse can really, really get in touch with. And eventually you find a, a gray mouse, a, a true old fur, one who, uh, if this were a, a mid-to-large-budget studio film, might be voiced by Idris Elba. <laughs> You know, theoretically. <laughs> and as you uh, uh, catch his eye, you see a change in, in posture. You hear a clearing of the throat, and he calls to you. Good day to you. Just uh, having my walk in the woods. Uh, yeah, a very particular walk in the middle of nowhere. Oh, uh, well, you wouldn't begrudge an old man his hobbies, would you? I mean, I've seen other hobbies, but when it happens to be in a location, I'm searching for a certain danger right now. Can't help but feel suspicious. Well, you can be as suspicious as you want, and I'll be on my way then. Do I notice anything that he might be carrying? No, no, but he's definitely got a way about him. You feel like if you weren't specifically looking... Uh, he could disappear like a ghost within an instant. Hmm. Like, Fr Francisca knows how to read mice, and this is a mouse whose whole bearing just b belies uh, a far more weight of experience, and just, you get a look in his eyes, and there is a, a burden behind them that is heavier than I think any Francisca has seen. Well, I've certainly seen a few, especially with uh, Gwendolyn. The Harmless Old Man Act uh, reads clearly as an act to your eyes. Alright, well, I think Francisca is just going to, uh, let's see, he, he's on a branch up above. Sound like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, where people take their nature walks. <laughs> yeah. Well, in that case, uh, she's just going to quickly climb up the tree and before this uh, guy can escape. Climbing up a tree, that is a, a four-paw situation. So as you come around to the branch, you are met with a small knife uncomfortably close. Close enough that you could not stop its thrust were one to come. Hmm. I'd like to know who you think you're looking for, ma'am. I don't know if you're who I'm looking for, but we certainly have each other's attention right now. There was a fig axe, black axe, discovered you might have heard. I'm trying to track it down and make sure it's gone for good. I don't know what that has to do with me. Anybody tells a, a tale like that, they're, they're just expecting someone to throw a tip into their hat. Well, you're awfully quick on drawing the knife in the first place. You never can be too careful. Time's what they are. And yet, you didn't fall through with a stab. If you're trying to hide that fake axe from me, you've already gotten, done the deed. Tell me what you've heard about a fake axe. What does that even mean? Made of straw? It was a meticulously forged axe, almost just like the legends. It certainly felt almost real to me. Just almost, though. 
And what worried me was who was wielding it and for what purpose. Uh, he takes a step back. He uh, places his knife in a sheath that is uh, 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 hidden up under his, his armpit. Okay, so the axe is a genuine axe, but I think when you say it, you mean something else. You mean the, you mean the mouse. Perhaps. The person that was wielding it was in cahoots with the spear, so... And the route they were trying to take us down was certainly not... Well, I call it a hunch. I don't think the real Black Axe would have wanted us to have the matriarch overthrown. So there is such a man, then? There is a real Black Axe? Says you. I'm not sure. All I know is that this person was about to cause some real devastation among the territories. Well, that... Doesn't sound like any of the stories I ever heard. Not that they're told much anymore. Anyway, it sounds to me I should be walking a bit further west. Uh, what was your name there, ma'am? My name is Francisca. I am of the guard. Well, I guess I was kind of obvious by the cloak. My name's Kelena. I'm not from anywhere. And he drops from this branch uh, directly to the forest floor. And with a scuttle in the underbrush, he's gone. Hmm... Didn't I hear that name once from Conrad during a, one of his drunken stupors? You heard it from the, the diary you found woven inside a bird's nest. Oh, wait, that's right. Uh, shoot, I forgot. I, I thought that was, um, uh, what's her name? The old lady. It, it was her diary, yes. Oh, okay. Okay, so actually, upon remembering that, Francisca almost tries to run off towards this guy, but... I don't know. She has a feeling if she does, it might be a little... It might incur more danger. So Francisca is left, uh, realizing slightly too late that her quest is complete, in a sense, as the man she's been looking for her entire life, which is an interesting thing to say, (laughs) is lost once again. Perhaps the legend lives on. But not every mouse of the guard is taking care of personal business and their own interests. There is still work to be done and missions to be given. Shortly after, we find Tander and Zeke forming a patrol of their own tasked with escorting a cargo ship making the rounds to the east of the territories. Their hosts have picked up a a large load of quarried stone from Sand Mason and are sailing it over to Shorestone and then beyond as they make uh, the loop of the settlements uh, in that region. Let, let Let me describe this. I think this is the largest boat we've seen in our campaign. It's a big cargo hauler. It's basically, you know, boat shaped. Um, I'm not much of a, a expert in ships, unfortunately. Uh, toward the rear, there is uh, about a two-story or so structure that is built inside of a tortoiseshell sitting on the back, thrusting the, the prow uh, higher, all you know, held in place, ballasted by your, your large load of uh, stone, and also some... Uh, some mice looking to travel along the coast and not caring about the amenities available on uh, the, the transport they chartered. 
Uh, Zeke, you recognize some of these, uh, in fact, you both would, you were both on that mission, you both recognize some of the sailors around here. Uh, not every Red Hook pirate was, uh, uh, irredeemable. We know that some of them became the, the Red Nose pirates, uh. <laughs> yes, the clown troop. And that's mostly a, a name, I guess. It's sort of a brand thing. This is an entirely legitimate enterprise. They just call themselves pirates for the marketing. Yes, yes. It's just it's just the, the character now. They're pirate clowns. Just a bunch of pirate clown sailors uh, walking around, <laughs> you know, ta- measuring the wind, uh, checking that, that they uh, haven't drifted off course toward uh, some of the known sandbars. You know, sailor things. Can't keep them away from the sea, you know? They just they just wanted a little taste of it, even if it meant going on a rock ship. Just, so, you know, just to remind them of their previous lives before And they a legitimate clowns. rock ship at that. Of course, Red Hook himself is nowhere to be seen. Uh, he, he did not go straight, or at least not over here. Oh, one more very important part about this boat I can't believe I haven't mentioned is its source of thrust, so to speak. <laughs> You see no oars. There are sails, but they have been trimmed. They are not filled with the wind. No, this boat is being towed by a duck. Hell yes, hell yes. Quack, quack, quack. What kind of duck? What kind of duck is it? Uh, This is an iridescent green-headed mallard. It is (gasps) proud of its plumage, this boy. I have those outside my apartment. They're kind of assholes, so I'm excited to see how this will go. Uh, so, I've described the boat, the denizens of the boat. Hey, Tander, how you feeling on this boat? Pretty good, but surprising nobody. Like, this is my thing. I'm good at boats and boat-related activities, so things have been going pretty well. Yeah. I mean, you, you and Zeke get along pretty well. I'm sure you, you both have your own things on your mind with the season that was, but... Uh, how, how did the the journey uh, to your, your starting port go? I mean, I suppose it was kind of awkward given everything that's happened. Things are kind of wild right now, but... Yeah, they probably, like, are in silence most of the time, but it's okay because they're dudes. But, like, then Tander, <laughs> Tander probably has a lot more to say than Zeke just about whatever. And then Zeke's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Tander and Zeke, guys being dudes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, it's like, dude, you don't even have to say anything to know it to know. Yeah, it's just comfortable <laughs> dude silence. <laughs> Definitely not awkward at all. <laughs> you found your mission in Mabel Harbor, made the quick jump over uh, to, to San Mason to fill uh, the cargo holds, and uh, I, it's been smooth sailing. Your duck has not had to work that hard. Clear skies, light winds, but suddenly the duck starts fluttering. The duck is getting distracted. Oh no. Oh. A distracted duck. Tander, your sharp eyes see something disturbing the surface of the water. Uh, something from below. We've got, we've got a fish. That's right. You have spotted a great leviathan, one of the, the beasts of the sea. Sailors tell legend about the danger that, that comes by the name Sturgeon. Uh, th- this is a fish several, several times the length of this boat. Again, the largest boat we've seen in this campaign, and it is dwarfed by the beast that uh, is approaching Tandor. How do you save the day from calamity? Zeke? Yes? You have a very important mission. 
I need you to pacify the duck. <sighs> <laughs> Zeke looks really nervous, but actually he has been hiding this whole time that he's very excited to get to pet a duck. <laughs> Listen, if that duck freaks out and takes off into the sky, the fish is going to be... Well, I mean, we're still going to have to worry about the fish, but you know, everything's going to be real bad. Understood. You've got about four clown pirate-themed crew members at your disposal, too. Are they actually dressed as clowns right now? Yes. They've got the noses. They're always clowns. I'm going to tell the clowns to to head to the battle stations. (laughs) They jingle over to the battle stations. (laughs) Well, this is is not a fishing boat, so I don't know if we have too too much in the way of weapons. We have have rocks. We have rocks. We have... Ropes. You have quarry stone. You have a f- uh, couple of uh, uh, honeymooners. Uh, you, you have some merchants looking to uh, make some contracts along the, the coastal uh, uh, settlements along this route. And yes, you have lots and lots of uh, quarried stone. Most of those are probably not going to assist us unless uh, <laughs> we can get some can scare the fish off with legalese. We have, uh, do we have any equipment on the boat for picking up rocks? Or would that stuff have been on the docks? Uh, there is a boom arm. Uh, there, there is, you know, some pulley systems. There's a big claw. There's a big claw on a boom arm. Perfect. Here's, here's, here's our plan. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, once we get the duck pacified, we're gonna pull around, broadside with the fish. We're gonna grab, we're gonna toss rocks at it to make it leave. Sounds good. And I guess I'll be operating the claw. (laughs) (laughs) Tander, in just a flurry of ingenuity and action, is, you know, cutting into the profit margin of this trip, but... uh, Every single mouse dying in a horrible fish attack would be worse for profit. Yeah, it's better than losing everything. Uh... In in the end, Tander gets an idea for an arcade amusement, if, if only he could figure out the <laughs> miniaturization problem. Uh, and the, the captain of the uh, Red Nose Pirate uh, cargo crew <laughs> thanks you for, for your help. Uh, it was, is impressed by your, your, your improvised use of your uh, resources. And they're going to put a claw machine in their Red Nose Pirate Carnival, which they are setting mm-hmm. up in a parking lot at Shorestone. <laughs> in, a, in a parking lot. It's full of, what, rabbits? <laughs> it's a fun time. It's more a wheelbarrow staging area than a parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> I like that even in this setting, even in, even in this mouse setting, in all that's happened, they're still, like, like carny clown, right? They're not, like... It's yeah. not even a, like a glamorous circus they run. It's still like a it's still like a roadside crap hole. Oh, for sure. Wouldn't have it any other way. So the day passes on. The one crew member who who kept his uh, shellfish collection in a net on the side of the boat ha- has been firmly chastised for endangering them. Uh, uh, thusly, gotta say that was a bad call on his part. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're just asking for a surgeon attack at that point. Essentially, yes. Yeah, you're hanging a fishing lure off the side of your boat. Tander is saying this like he's an expert on sturgeons. (laughs) Well, now you are. Yeah, I mean, we know. Yeah, we know. Zeke's been having to ride the duck the rest of the way to keep it calm. Aw. I just get the mental image of Zeke petting this duck's fluffy head. Yeah. 
Uh, not long after. It's, it's not a particularly long journey after all. Uh, a- as dusk settles, you're pulling into port in Shorestone. Uh, your, your sailors that you're escorting uh, have plenty of business to do. There, there's an exchange of, of passengers. Some are leaving here, some aren't, some are just coming on. Uh, you, you've got some time in port. Uh, Zeke, what do you get up to? Oh boy, it's time for Zeke to finally visit his boyfriend, Kristoff, who has started a, a tavern in Shorestone. Are they... Uh, inherited uh, would be the word, but yes. Yeah, I hope they're still boyfriends. It's been a, it's been a minute, folks. <laughs> At least you got a good story to tell in here when you meet up with him. Yeah, it's time to tell Kristoff something very important. I pet a duck today. <laughs> exactly, that's it. Actually, but before we move on to that, I do have to ask, Tander, what are you getting up to in your, your period of shore leave in Shorestone? A place that you've been, if you recall. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm glad. It was one year ago. A, a little more than a year. That was the beginning of summer. This is the end of summer. Tander probably doesn't. I don't really have like, plans. I'll probably just uh, wander the streets, see what seems there any good food, uh, take in the sights. I feel like Tander is like, I remember one place, and starts following Zeke until it becomes obvious they're going to the same place. (laughs) And Tander knows like, oh no, this way lies emotions. I will find a different place. I mean, I don't know if he'd be that opposed to it, but he would definitely do the like, oh, I know the best, I know a great place, I'll meet you later. And then they just, two minutes later, they're in front of the same building. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, oh, hey, hey, Tander. Oh, this! Oh, yeah. Well, if you want some alone time, I'll, I'll leave you. I'll leave you. I'll leave you today. Well, I mean, there's. I mean, there's lots of people around. I think you could still. We can still eat here. So I just. I just wanted to say hello to my to my friend Kristoff, who who moved here from from Elmos. Um, you know, to get away from the from the western borders with everything that's been going on. All right, and then the container is like already walking inside to, <laughs> <laughs> to, to order. Zeke's like looking at the ground and then he, when he looks up, Tanner's already gone. He's already at the he's already at the counter ordering lunch from Kristoff. Oh, oh, okay. Or no, or, you know. No, that's happen. great. You know, you should absolutely be ordering from Kristoff directly so that Kristoff yeah. already knows that Zeke is here and like ruins the moment. So yeah, t- Tander, you uh, approach the bar, you, you flag down uh, the barman. He, he comes on over with a uh, just a light in his eyes, seeing a guard cloak, and then he's like, that's the wrong color, uh, and goes back to just normal professionalism. So what'll it be? And Tander, from your perspective, you can see that this is clearly the same place, but clearly with new management. There is just a slight twist on everything. Like, this place is being run by somebody who had a lot of respect for the former management, but but came in with some ideas of their own on how to really respect that legacy. So it, they haven't, like, turned it into a theme restaurant? No, no. It's... Or maybe the theme is itself. It's that line where, yeah. you know, before it's it didn't authentic. feel like it had a legacy to respect. It's just the way it was. But now it, it's treating uh, that old sense with, with a bit of reverence. It's like a, like, a, like a modern place that looks like an old diner. A little bit. Whereas last year it looked like an old diner that has still been maintained. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of just actually being an old diner. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, I'll take the lunch special. Sure, coming up. Uh, I mean, usually we, we cut that off at three, but hey, 
Who's to argue with the guard? <laughs> I, I'm behind Tander now. Tander would order the lunch special at 4 p.m. I said dusk. <laughs> In 7 summer. 7 p.m. <laughs> Tander will, like, remove his hat to, to start eating, and that's when Zeke appears. Yes. Behind. Emerging from behind the, the hat of Tander. Uh, I'll, I'll be right with you, son. He leaps over the bar like it's TJ Hooker's uh, car. <laughs> oh my That's god. That's a great analogy. Uh, Zeke, you are enveloped in an embrace. Aww. Zeke, Zeke hugs back. I don't know what happened. You know how rumors get. I, but I was sure you're alive. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> Hello, uh, yeah, I, it's good to see you. Wow, I'm so glad you're also alive. Well, nobody's tried to execute anybody around here. Execute? You piece together, he, he's referring to whatever version he heard about the uh, attempted coup in Lockhaven. Oh, well, I mean, yes, but that happened. But also, I mean, Tander and I were like on fire when that was going on. Fighting a fire, you're not literally on fire. We were a little on fire. Tander, have you met Kristoff? I'm trying to remember. I don't think you I have. Say, I, was I there the last time, or was, or was that the time when Francisco was there and I was somewhere else? I think that was. I think Francisco was there, spying on you. So I probably wasn't there. So I probably don't know. Okay. But I could probably pick up the context clues vis-a-vis leaping mm-hmm. over the counter TJ Hooker style to embrace <laughs> oh They're probably God. pretty close. <laughs> you don't just do that for anybody. You sure don't. Man, kids these days, they don't TJ Hooker for just anything. <laughs> oh my God. So where were we? Zeke, oh, yes. He Zeke's thought like, he got killed Zeke, by Zeke's the like, spear. He's like, oh, like we did almost die, but for a different reason than you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> That's better. He, he lets out a laugh that's somewhere between nervous and relieved. You know, <laughs> if it's not one thing, it's another. Come come on, sit, sit, sit. Uh, he, he takes off his apron. He sits on the same side of the bar as you. Uh, you are touching knees. Aw. I imagine it's like, it's very crowded there right now. Um, yes, and, and but... uh, it's, it's a good thing he hired on another hand, so somebody is helping people. Yeah, but even though it's even though it's super packed and loud right now, it feels to Zeke and Kristoff like they're the only people there. In fact, a booth has just opened up. You're not on display for everybody. <laughs> I, f- I feel like as long as they're around everybody else, then it's more like Zeke and, and Tander, you know, just talking about the adventures that they've been on so far, the bats, uh, the fire, just you know, a lot of a lot of crazy adventures. But Zeke, uh, sort of leaves out the the part with the owl until they are mm-hmm. able to talk later in private once things have kind of calmed down. It's not as many people. Sunsets. Mm-hmm. And then finally after after Tanner's already gotten bored and gone off to do something else. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which was Fair. five minutes later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, once he was done eating, um, you know, there's like there's like a, the moon is out and it's like coming through the window, right? Like where they're sitting at this at this booth and no one's there anymore. Yes. And yes. Zeke is like, Kristoff, I have something very important to tell you. Something very important happened while we were on our way to Spruce Tech on a secret mission. The secret mission you've told me all about, yeah, in, including your your secret foreign treaty. I'm I'm up to speed. 
On our way there, we went through Brown Hollow. You didn't. You did. What did you see? What's left? There are the remnants of structures. I don't want to describe that part, but while we were there, we came across an owl. It was not the owl that killed my father and so many of, of my family, and it it was the, the child of that owl. A child who bore a great sense of vengeance against me on behalf of its parent, and with the help of Gwendolyn, we had a a dialogue of sorts. I told it that I didn't want to fight, that I didn't want to continue this bloodshed over many generations, and it flew away. Does that mean we can go home? Since then, I have felt a profound lightness. But with all that has transpired, I, I do not think that we will ever return west. But not because of the owl, but because of everything else that has happened. Because of the threat of the western border and the uh, unrest within the guard itself, and the rise of the spear. But I think that we could make a home somewhere new, and I think that we could be happy there. He's, he's been looking deathly worried, but with that last turn, his eyes brighten and his uh, whiskers lift again. He's like, to be, to be honest, Kristoff, I, I don't know how much more faith I have in the guard. We shall see how things go, but I don't have a heart for war. Have you ever been to Wolf Point? It's very lovely. <laughs> I just got set up here. This is, this is my dream place. I mean, I, I feel like I finally made it. Look, look. He, he, he gestures to, to the bar where there's just a massive cake under a glass case. I've always wanted to serve slices of cake off of a tray like that. <laughs> wow, big mood. I, the way your stories match up with the rumors around here, I know we don't get the most accurate news. So I never know what there is to worry about and what's people worrying as a hobby. From what you're saying, if, if conflict is as inevitable as it is, it's not going to be a war on Barkstone and on Ferndale. It's going to be on the entire territories. There's, there's nowhere to run that it won't touch me, us, in some way. I don't think I'm any safer in some wilderness outpost where you have to worry about moose than I am here in a stone keep carved out uh, from the heart of a boulder where I have my dream cake. It is a very nice cake. It's so darn sweet that you worry so much about me. Zeke is, is uh, I feel like Zeke is, is you know, as, as is tradition in Zeke and Kristoff's relationship, Zeke is in like a very negative mindset all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um... He, he's he's not like like cheered up or anything like that because he understands that it's inevitable. He was just sort of, you know, mm-hmm. indulgently sort of being <laughs> petulant, um, knowing full well that there's no getting away from this. But it, but he's Zeke is, is conflicted because he finally, you know, 
he, he finally had a, had that big moment where he can put the owl curse behind him, and just as he does that, there is a, a, a more looming, more more ubiquitous threat against the whole territories, and not just him as an individual. And just as he found himself, you know, ready to ready to settle down, ready to be happy, to make choices in his life to make him make himself happy and make his life better, um, everything's getting worse. And he doesn't know how to tell Kristoff that that he wants to, to be together, you know, also knowing that that a war is is looming on the horizon. Chris Kristoff knows this. If if anybody in the world could, could <laughs> guess that that's what's happening, Kristoff is the mouse. Yeah, I so. feel like Zeke was like he was he was like thinking that he might like do some kind of like big gesture, but he's like stops him he keeps stopping himself from like saying things because he's like, no, because what if you know, everything goes to hell, and then it won't—it mm-hmm. won't matter. It won't matter what I said because I won't be able to keep my promise. Zeke, besides the cake, there are a lot of of benefits to uh, running the Sanded Jug. I mean, it's it's a historical landmark. I'm very proud of that. Uh, so <laughs> I'm I'm actually in with the Shorestone Historical Society. Thank you very much. Mm. And old Tate left a pretty nice house along with it in the bargain. There's more space than any one mouse could have, and I want you to be with me when you're done with whatever you need to do. But I, I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't even want to be in the guard if I could just be with you, Kristoff. I could, I would throw it all away if I could. He smiles. Seek is like crying. <laughs> Seek is like, this is, he's like, it's like an outburst. Um, I, I know, I know the cake is that good. I, it's just let it out. It's fine. <laughs> Zeke's like, I, I want to be able to keep this promise to you. I want, I want to be able to, to be with you at the, at, at the end of all this. I don't want to make a promise to you that I'll come back and then not do that. But I want to. I want it to all be over. Zeke, you make me so proud. I... <laughs> There are days that I hate myself for for helping push you to this life, but there's a pair of settlements that would not be settlements anymore without you, and that has nothing to do with that owl. That has nothing to do with this war. I selfishly wish that that was enough, but then I hear what's happening, and I know that you have so much to give, and that you always say, when it's over. Zeke like like chuckles to himself as he realizes that he does always say that. <laughs> it's You know your work's not done. You I don't know when you realize that you found a calling instead of a place to hide. But I'm glad you did. If waiting is the price I have to pay for everyone else to see what you have to to offer the the help you can bring to the world, well, I can't possibly be that selfish. I love them because Zeke doesn't see himself that way at all. You know, like, Zeke is like, <laughs> I, what are you talking about? Like, I, I hate doing this. <laughs> but he doesn't say that out loud because that he knows that he can't get away with saying something like that to Kristoff. But that's, you know, he's just so like, what? I don't, that's not true. <laughs> So he just accepts whatever Kristoff has to say because he knows that if he says anything mm-hmm. smart-alecky mm-hmm. back, then he'll get slapped. 
I know Sable's address. I will tell on you. I will tell on you. Oh my goodness, how is the girl? How is the little one? Yeah, I think that's that's how we sort of fade out as, as Zeke sort of <laughs> brags about Lily and uh, how good Lily is doing and maybe even maybe even just just right just right as we're about to fade to black you hear Zeke being like, Oh, she's going to graduate soon. <laughs> <laughs> But Tander and Zeke weren't the only mice uh, dispatched to that corner of the territories. Isolde is still missing, and several mice have volunteered to search the corners of the territories in order to find her, one of whom is Sable. Uh, Sable, you are in Lilygrove. This is the last place you did any spear business, and so it seemed reasonable to you that uh, you, you might find her or someone who knew something about her around here. So, uh, what are you getting up to? What sort of searching are you doing? I think Sable has, uh, at least, at least like briefly from her her time being affiliated with the Spear, she would have learned like, or at least picked up on some of their like signals that they use to communicate with each other. Like she did that mm-hmm. thing with like their secret drop off, um, yeah, and yeah. kind of inferred like, okay, this is like these are the symbols that they use and here are the kinds yeah. of places. So I think she's been trying to follow up on, on that as best as she could uh, while not mm-hmm. like actively drawing attention to like, you know, she's, she's not like, she doesn't have a wanted poster with a sold space on it. Like, <laughs> Hey, have you seen this mouse? Uh, I just, I just want to talk. Um, so a- after a-, a day of knocking on doors, figuratively speaking, <laughs> uh, you find yourself back on the bench whether by, you know, fate or coincidence, uh, where you spoke with Ephraim watching uh, uh, Granny deal with some uh, <laughs> frogs, all those. It feels like months, but it was just a few short weeks ago. Uh, and you are approached by a mouse. You know what? You tell me what she looks like. <laughs> Her name is Clove, she's a carpenter, and she is uh, answering the call. You can't do that. <laughs> I can do that. I have that power. Um, you know, I, I think that when Clove approaches Sable, Sable actually like sits up with a start because she thinks that it's a soul because Clove has like auburn fur. Ah, okay. Like she has that same sort of uncom- uncommon like like red fur color and, and Sable sits up but quickly realizes that it's it's not it's not her. Mm-hmm. Probably the difference from Isolde is that you can tell that this woman has has like actually done like hard labor, um, mm-hmm. and you know, not that Isolde doesn't doesn't work hard, but uh, I, I'm sure that Isolde is not like a as jacked as a mouse can be, I guess. <laughs> jacked as jacked can be, this yeah. clove. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so a- after that initial first glance, you realize this this is not Isolde in disguise. You know, the, the reason there are no gl- uh, glasses on the bridge of this snout is because this mouse does not wear them. And so she, she uh, sits down on a, a seat in front of you backwards to face you. So I saw your message. Well, I think it was yours. Sable, like again sits up because now she's like oh, oh okay <laughs> it wasn't sold but it's still this is still something um yeah um do you, should we should we go somewhere more private to talk and then looks around and realizes there is no one here anyway yeah, yeah. some some gulls call yeah there's yeah no one is paying any attention well she runs through the dodgson scene okay you hear me drackle from wherever you are right now i did it i said the thing <laughs> 
yeah, so Sable says, like, the guard has been looking for Isolt, um, as I'm, I'm sure you're aware, and that includes me, but I think that I'm probably the only person they have out looking for her who is not immediately going to drag her back to Gwendolyn. I just want to know that she's okay. Do you know anything? Well, I'm not my uh, conspirator's keeper, but I, I might know a few things. Uh, of course, I'm more curious in what you know, and uh, what else uh, you're willing to do for us. Sable, like, sighs, and sort of, like, she like kind of, like, leans back in her, like, on her bench, and, and it just looks, like, exhausted. She says, very little. <laughs> really? I, I wasn't I didn't take uh, you for the kind to leave a job half-finished. I mean, you did such a great uh, uh, delivery. I I thought you might want to see my plan through. Uh, With things as they are in the organization, I can step forward and take credit for the whole uh, uh, axe business. I'm rather proud of it. Hold on. Can we pause in, like, not recording, but, like, obviously this meeting. So the Black Axe stuff, it has been so long. Um, that okay. I, I need my memory because I know I know what Sable did and stuff, but I'm I'm still mm-hmm. I'm not 100 percent clear on like what their the point of them doing that was. Was it just to be like the the greater play was for them to install the axe in all of you know his symbolic weight as the head of the guard right, once Gwendolyn was dead. Yeah, and meh. but uh, what she's going to propose is we still have a great symbolic weight. Uh, let's just use that to our advantage. Yeah. Okay. And uh, she's about to brag about how, you know, she fed the spear all the information they needed for this perfect forgery. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Sable, it's like, well, if if you're the person who is in charge of this, what is your plan after after you put someone in charge at Lockhaven? Like, how how is life going to change for, you know, like the average person or mouse? See, that's what happens when you don't put your stamp on something. When you're not allowed to put your name on it, other people sort of run with it. I I just had some specialized information about the creation of the axe and just and thought that it would be great to have one in pocket. So, thanks to you, we sourced well, the prop, so to speak. I knew Ephraim from some other business and figured he was the perfect guy for the job. I heard you met... I'm still running him on some stuff. Uh, finally got that thing back from... Never mind, that's a whole other story. I don't like the sound of that. <laughs> but it's a story that you can be part of, Sable. After the fire, I don't know if, if you... I mean, you know, you're not your conspirator's keeper and all that, but I asked someone for help uh, after the fire at Gill Pledge, and uh, frankly, I was, I was shocked at how quickly he turned me down and how callous it was when, you know, his reasons were that, oh, you know, there's a, there's a bigger problem, and, you know, we have to focus on fighting against the weasels when people's houses were literally burned down and, pe- you know, starvation was a very real possibility. I, I, I don't see how all this all this posturing is going to actually change anything. Sable, I looked into some of your your past missions, and I just want to say how much respect I have for you for getting out of that that den of sickness in Dark Heather last year. You've done something that nobody can do, and I want to thank you, and I want to point out 
how your name, you and, and those other few who made it out with you, could inspire so much action, so much mobilization across the territories. And they are letting you as a resource lie fallow in that stone keep. Think about, for one, how many weasel axes that moron of a man could take out with that axe, but think more about the armies that would stand up behind him if they saw him do it. This this sucks, and you suck, because this is exactly <laughs> what Sable wants to hear uh, Like someone tell her, is to, for someone to be like, oh my god, we appreciate you so much. This is like... Yeah, she's smarter than the banker. Yeah. Imagine that. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> um, Sable is thinking, and she's quiet for a bit. She's, she says, and, and you said, and the other people who left that. But if you've looked into me, you've, you've surely looked into, into my daughter, and you know that she's not going to have any part of this. And I mean, I, I think that Lily accomplished more than I have just by making friends, honestly. Okay. It seems we're at an impasse. So I'm just going to call it, all right? Are you interested in continuing the cause, or are you just another Lockhaven sap? <sighs> Sable thinks about this for, for a long time, probably like a little bit longer than is like comfortable um, for, for Clove, but thinking about like, you know, like the, the aftermath of that fire and seeing all these people and she's thinking about like Lily and how happy Lily was to be reunited with her finally and just everything that everything that she's done that has like explicitly gone against like what Lily would have wanted her to do and how Mm -hmm. it's always been a bad thing uh it has (laughs) not worked out Sable still says she's like do you do you really think that people would rally behind someone like me like if, if if you actually think that I could make a difference, like do you like do you really think that I could inspire people like that? She shrugs. I'm willing to give it a shot. So am I. And she stands up and says, But I'm I'm not doing it with you. She walks away. Clove just sort of shrinks a bit, lifts up her hands, and uh, as you walk away, raises her voice a bit to say, uh, I uh I put my cucumber soda on your tab all the same. <laughs> fine (laughs) and she's gone yeah she better be (laughs) (laughs) but the guard never saw Isolde again this season in another place at another time another mouse did his name is Bago a merchant mouse from Copperwood Isolde what where exactly does does he find you what what does the the room look like Isolde is in a small and dark-looking inn with not very much to say about it. It's very, uh, very basic, uh, sort of rundown. Doesn't see very many customers. Like the only person working the counter is an old woman. Most of the tables are free, but some are, some have a, a like a few mouse mice who have come and gone from other places. But everyone here has reason to be very far away from civilization. You know, most of them have their faces hidden, or are just at least, you know, alone, and they're sitting and drinking alone. It's always sitting by a table next to a window, and is staring out of it with an anxious look that kind of at the same time is kind of defeated and depressed. Uh, She has a small meal in front of her, but she hasn't touched it. 
uh, and she is doing nothing. As you are sitting alone, doing not much of anything, one of your oldest friends uh, sits right down with two glasses of uh, a thistle tea, one for him, one for you. And uh, he just says hello, because he's not sure what else to say at this moment. Isol doesn't actually notice anyone has sat, like, for, for a moment, Isol doesn't notice anybody who's sat down next to her because she's gone so long about human, sorry, so long about mice contact uh, that she has sort of, that part of her mind has kind of turned off. So when she looks up again and sees him, she almost, like, jumps at, like, uh, him saying hello. Various emotions run through her face in, in, like, quick order. The first is almost panic, then, like, kind of, then relief. And then worry and like guilt and anxiety. She looks at him with like a expression of anxiety, but also a sort of happiness. And uh, says, "Bago, what are you doing here?" I just thought it's been too long since we actually spoke. All all these letters and things. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just really not sure. Where to begin, small talk doesn't seem quite right. <laughs> no, I... I guess not. She stares down at her mug of uh, the sort of dark fluid within. She doesn't know what to say. Well, if you're curious, um... I don't know where to begin. Uh... Things are splintered. Things are, uh, uh, plans that were in the works are, I don't know if they are anymore, but I'm trying to look on the bright side. I think that this could be a good thing. I, I think, uh, there's a lot of growth. There's a lot of excitement and one setback doesn't stop that. Uh, if anything, we are free of red tape. We don't have to worry about only working at the speed of correspondence anymore? It's all this. She's like shaking her head a little bit. It looks like there's something on her mind that she wants to say, but she doesn't say it as he speaks. She eventually interrupts him and says, Bego, how much do you know about what happened at Lockhaven? I know it takes more than one leak to sink a ship, Isolde. I can see that you blame yourself for all of it, but uh, from what I've heard, that is... that's not fair to you. She shakes her head a few times. Eventually she, like, takes a small sip from her drink. Doesn't look like she enjoys it very much. This is probably some incredibly cheap ale. I don't know if mice even have ale. I said that, but I always forget the <laughs> mice drinks. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. They, they do says, brew all the time. He, he brought you a tea as well, so oh, now you have did. two beverages to choose from. Uh... Isolde's probably only half aware of her surroundings at the moment. She says, Listen, I appreciate what you're trying to do here, but we were so close. We came so close to finally, finally having a chance to put everything right. After all these years, I almost thought it was going to be too late with everything happening at the border, and... But we almost had it, just for one moment. And because I hesitated, because I let myself be weak because I stopped thinking about what was important I've let it all go, go to ruin I shouldn't have stayed here I should have gone out into the woods and never come back so it looks like she 
is despairing in a way that is probably making Bago uncomfortable. Like, she is a bit more distraught than she thought, than he thought. I will say that I'm glad you didn't. That I'm glad that uh, there are opportunities, that there are resources, that there are second chances. And maybe that uh, uh, Gambit's outcome uh, can teach us that it was built on false premises to begin with. Events will change the shape of the guard, and if we shape the events, it can happen from without of Lockhaven. There are... <laughs> the ball is already rolling. We just have to push it a little to the left, a little to the right. We, we don't have to open the gate. Isol looks at him cautiously, and she... Eventually, like, kind of bites her lip a bit and asks, Bigo, can I ask you something? Of course. Did you decide to come out looking for me? On your yourself? Well, I figured that they'd try. She nods. But I also knew that they wouldn't know where to look. If that's the case, then they're probably not interested in giving me any second chances. Not unless I can change things. You know them better than me. She stared for a long time. She like stares into space, looking out the, looking out the window. I always wanted to believe that it was possible to achieve what we wanted to do, without anyone getting hurt. Even though I called, my, I thought I was like the only practical person in a world full of ni- full of idealists. I've been the idealist all along. That's so stupid. She rubs her eyes and then turns back to him with a more resolved expression. All right, tell me what you have planned. Of course, not all the creatures in these lands are mice. No, once again, we have to look toward the weasels and their overlord. Where do we find them this fine, fine summer? I think at this point, Rampal and closest advisors might be even having a nice meeting outside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or at least as outside as it gets in Dark Heather, which is a cavern that has a nice skylight. <laughs> and it's a, it's a nice sunny picturesque scene. There's like little bits of mushrooms, flower petals drifting in from above. And it's all kind of undercut by the delighted tone by which Rampal and company are discussing a war to come. Uh, you are hearing some very interesting news. Uh, from the east. Uh, apparently the matriarch Gwendolyn has died. This is some sort of divine uh, uh, providence. Uh, if that's not a sign, what is? And on such a beautiful day. Come <laughs> on. Uh, r- reports are confused and unconfirmed, but it's Aren't still... we all? <laughs> when you say close people, uh, are, are these your tunnel lords? Uh... Yeah, probably just tunnel lords. I can't imagine Rampal being the type who really... <laughs> gets close to people other than on a business, which is to say murder-based relationship. Mm-hmm. Murder-like victims or murder-associates, uh, those are the two other categories. Yes, murder, in parentheses, giving slash receiving. Uh, so uh, one of these Tunnel Lords who has surely uh, uh, risen quickly in your estimation is of course Lena. Uh, the, the bearer of the original berries, who, who then uh, became head of the uh, sacred fruit 
you know, operation. Long may she reign. I'm sure nothing will ever threaten that. So you, you've noticed that, uh, that, that things have been delayed, that, that there has been all sorts of, you know, it, it's like the spigot has been getting narrower and narrower, no matter how uh, large your thirst has grown or how clear you have made that. And I think just seeing her face, you know, is spoiling the, the good mood you, you've had. Uh, and, and you probably ask her to, to stay a little later and have a bit of a one-on-one. Oh yeah, absolutely. I feel like even for the past month or so, as the spigot gets narrower, as you put it, like Rand Paul's words to Lena, the actual content and prose itself hasn't changed, but mm-hmm. it's just become dripping with more and more dangerous saccharine sarcasm. It's all in the eyes. It's a lot of eye stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's the worst when Rampal's eyes are gentle. Yes, my lord, how may I serve you? Let's discuss the fruit. We're going to need it for the war to come. But we seem to be running out. Ah, uh, uh, well, of course, my lord. Uh, that, that is why uh, supplies have been restricted in order to, to maintain uh, uh, an emergency reserve, as, as you know, times uh, can be... Uh, difficult to to foresee, of course. Of course, and what has been so difficult to foresee about the last month that we've had to create such reserves rather than relying on continued deliveries seems rather consistent for mysterious happenings. Just a, a matter of better safe than sorry. You, you, uh, these meetings, the, the timeline being moved up continually as, as now great uh, opportunity has fallen in our lap. I, I think we should focus on that. Never mind my my uh, preparedness. Uh, th- think of it no different from uh, the the hunters smoking their catches uh, to survive through the leaner winter times. Grandpa <sighs> probably zoned out in the middle of that. Just like wandered over <laughs> to the nice, beautiful ceramic hand painted map, and then at some point, just like smashed a fist. And on the other hand, we just invented weasel jerky, so... Yeah. We're gonna get some weasel jerky pretty soon, I think. Or weasel-made jerky, rather. (laughs) So Rampal smashes right through the beautiful hand-painted ceramic map that's probably ages and ages of weasel history, because that's just kind of the bastard they are. Then turns on Lena and is like, what happened to the fruit? It's gone. Uh, our supplies are entirely tapped. The, the last you requested was the last we had. In fall, the supply chain was broken, and we, we haven't been able to uh, uh, resume the trade again. Uh, we've just been going off stockpiles and the least failed experiments in growing our own. It's spent, my overlord. At this point, Rampal is probably, like, dangerously quiet, which... Seems up there with the worst things that they can be, going with the overall trajectory of how they tend to act, quietly raising a finger, pointing towards the exit. Uh, Lena may get the impression that it might be best to, like, pack her things and leave to escape whatever the coming wrath is that comes after this calm. Mm-hmm. So Lena scurries off. Rampal keeps staring into space. Lena does not scurry. No. Lena does not scurry. She she, she leaves 
with her chin high, pretending as hard as possible that this went okay for her. Ooh, she has a much better imagination than any other weasel, which is perhaps how she got this far in the first place, but perhaps will not serve her well in the times to come. But Paul goes over to the broken bits of ceramic map on the ground and just kind of stares at the shattered piece that has Lockhaven on it and picks it up and as you might expect from evil bastard just kind of crushes it in their hand then they go over to this big old tome that earlier an elderly weasel that nobody was really paying attention to in the meeting just kind of like the <laughs> bureaucrat that has to be there bearer of the tome of elder lords and whatever and Frampal goes to a very special section that's like uh, the overlords of wartime mm-hmm. because it's, uh, it's a little bit of a tradition among the overlords that in, during wartime you change your name to that of a great ancestor for luck in battle. So Rampal very carefully selecting and eventually selects Sovash the Vengeful, one of the oldest ever- weasel overlords. That was a little bit of a slip of the tongue there, huh? <laughs> Is there any ceremony to this? Does Savash have to record their new name? There's probably supposed to be a lot more ceremony to it. Everybody probably knew to get the fuck out of the room. So maybe Rampal just, like, gets a knife or something, cut pricks their finger, signs in blood or whatever the creepy-ass weasel rituals are. Normally supposed to be overseen, but who the fuck cares? It's Rampal. Some few days later, there is a a call up, horns sound, and we see actually several announcements. Uh, Beatriz in Tunnel Stone, and Hercule in Tunnel Night, and even Fulbert back home in Tunnel Bone, uh, among all the other Tunnel Lords, or uh, if they are away from home, their, their appointed representatives saying the the sacred words and announcing the war name of Overlord Savash. I also feel like the announcement of the war the war name is basically the horn for the advance line, the frontline guards to start marching. It starts today. There are cheers, there are chants, and there are drums. Uh, what there is not though there is not a single drop of sacred fruit or its wine left for anyone to drink. <laughs>